Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, what's goody fam? Welcome back to the Human Behavior Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Duwamu Tunga. And this is a podcast about human behavior, understanding yourself, understanding others, so that you could build a better business, a better life, and a better you. Um, we are back. I have a new friend to the pod um, sitting with us, and uh, she has some questions. So uh, everybody say hello to LL. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, 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 good. So first, what weird human behavior have you witnessed lately? Maybe this week. This week? Um, I would say people, like just in like around me. Whatever. I mean, um, People just doing too much i've i've just seen people doing a lot and i don't i think not really calls for attention but it's diff, it's weird to me i remember thinking okay, well, why why are they doing so much but it wasn't anybody i knew specifically but i've been doing a lot of traveling this last week and i've just seen a lot so yes yeah, it's, it's it's interesting i'm i find myself always people watching mm-hmm. so like i i observe a lot of behavior and like people's idiosyncrasies and I I'm always asking myself like why is this person doing this or like mm. like why did they choose to do this versus that um but yeah it was really 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 interesting um so you came on a pod cuz you have some questions I do. so for um the people listening the audio experience we're going to give you uh L's numbers so that you could follow along and so the context of the conversation makes sense. So give us your numbers natural and adaptive. Okay, so my D is 1110. My I is 6774. S is 9946 and C is 8843. Mm. Okay. So so L is very thoughtful very intentional, very methodical, very calculated in the way that she approaches things, right? She's very warm, very inviting, uh, bubbly-esque, but because that S is so high, right, she's more on a reserve, kind of shy. She wants to feel the vibe in the room to make sure it's safe before she really opens up and engages. And then she's very... Uh, formal and likes for things to go the way uh, it's supposed to go in the environment, right? And and that's that C. So your adaptive is is interesting because I, I feel like you drop in the S and the C, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but what's your question? First, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, uh, so my name is L. I'm an attorney. I like like you said, I, I feel like you kind of told me about myself just now, listening <laughs> to how you said it. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. I, yeah, I'm just, that's, that's pretty much it. Where are you from? I'm from London, but yeah. originally from Ghana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so 
what's what's your question? Well, well, let's get into the questions. What's going on with you? Um, what are you struggling with? What are you trying to get into? Okay, so one thing I noticed from he- hearing you speak mm-hmm. is I've been trying to understand my assessment, and with my S, I thought it was like a like how do I stop my S from like holding me back? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, is this why I'm not able to do certain things like say no? And actually mean no and like leave it at that. And I've had some coaching and I've been able to get to the point where I can say no, but it takes like two weeks of planning or like I'll figure out how am I going to say no to this? And I'll like, it will take me forever. So that slows me down in one way. And then I think, and I don't know if it's due to my S per se, but I saw my S and I was like, ah, oh, 99S, like this is why I am the way I am. Maybe mm-hmm. This is my problem. I think I feel like I always have to overcompensate or like give and it it pulls me back like business wise and in my personal life but more so now that I'm in my business I find that I just have to like give things to people I don't have to but someone can like ask me for something and I'd be like yeah sure no problem and even if there's like meant to be a charge I would be like no it's fine no I got you it's fine and Mm. I can't I can never stop myself and then afterwards I'm like oh my gosh why did I do that because it could be like something really like a really big task whether it's legal or whether it's something unrelated and then I'm there stuck like doing this thing because I've said I would do it and I will do it but then I just feel like I always have to give and sometimes I'm not in the position to but I will make sure I do anyway and I don't like how that makes me feel inwardly I won't let anyone really know that I feel like that because I don't want others to feel bad Mm. that I'm feeling away so I would rather just get it done and be in my own like head, like, oh, why did I do that? But I was still, p- so I think it's like holding me back and I don't know how to like stop it or how to be more, mm, how to be more like real with myself and others instead of just like, yeah, sure, absolutely, no problem. So, okay. Um, and thank you for the the context, right? So tell me, because I, I pay attention to the language that you use. I feel like I have to, and I and I can't, and I have to give so much. Where does that come from? And where and when was the first time that you felt like you had to give so much? Wow. Um, <clears throat> I would say probably like just the culture I grew up in, like. Mm-hmm. We and I, I still appreciate the way I was raised because it means I'm a hard worker. But like, I've been always taught, like you can't, like it's never enough. Like you need to do more. Like you need to. It's not necessarily in the form of criticism. Maybe back then I would feel like it was, but I would actually. It's like I'll do one thing. Like oh, that's great, but you, you could do better. You could do more. You could do it this way instead and get these results. And so that was from when I was very young. Like. Let me think of an age, like, young, like, probably before 10, just growing Mm -hmm. up. And I was the one in the middle between my siblings. Like, I would be the one to do do more. If, like, Mm. if it was the case, like, say there's chores, like, we're all supposed to do it. And, like, my sister's like, no, or my brother's not. I would be like, well, we have to do it because, I don't know, I would just think that I had to be the one to step in. That's just like that's a bit minor. I don't know if that's really answering. Yeah, the question. but when when was the first time that you can recall like 
Um, and again, I don't, I wouldn't know what that specific situation is. But when was the first time you recalled like, whoa, I need to, I know this doesn't feel right. Or I know maybe like, I don't really want to do this, but I feel like I have to do this for this other person. Mm. What makes you feel like you're obligated to give so much, even when you feel like you don't have it to give? This is um, a bit of a different, but the first scenario that mm -hmm. came to my head is when I was in school. So I couldn't read till like I was like seven or eight. Mm -hmm. I was in special ed classes. They said I was dyslexic, and in like my culture, we it's very important that you are um, like you know become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. And you know, I know. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't so much. I can't say my parents put pressure on me. They didn't, but. I always felt like in classes, in school, if I was the one who, I felt like I was always needing to catch up because I, was, I wasn't I was held back. I ended up going ahead in school in the later part of my life because I felt like, okay, I need to keep, I need to keep up. I need to work harder than everyone else mm -hmm. so I can get to where I need to get to. And it was, I feel like it was university maybe or college where Others would come to me for help. I was working so hard for myself because I wanted to catch up and make sure I was doing okay so that I'd make my family proud. proud. Yep. Yeah, but then it would it meant that I was doing well, like when I was like 15, 16. And then friends would be like, oh my gosh, you're like, that was really good. You got 100% on this test. Can you help me? And I'm like, well, I have to work so hard to get to where I got to. Mm -hmm. But then they're asking for my help and I'm like, okay. And so it became a thing where people were coming to me for like help with things. And I didn't have the capacity because I'm not just studying like everyone else. Like I'm going above and beyond to get the results I need because mm -hmm. I know that I have this disability or I was slower in like my earlier years. So it was I think that's where I really I would like hide from people in the library. This was as I grew older because I knew they wanted my help and I promised and I'm like, oh my gosh, let me just hide because I need to put some time in for myself. And so I think that was the first one is probably when I was in like college. We call colleges like, for us, it's not university. It's before that. So when I was like 15, mm. yeah, I think that was the first like series of people wanting help from me and me not having the capacity, but doing it anyway. And it just carried on from there. Like, and why exactly did you feel pressured to give something that you knew you didn't have to give? I think I I just didn't want to let them down. Like if someone comes to me and I don't know, not that I don't know, I need to figure out where exactly that came from. If someone comes to me for something and I know I can do it, even if it's going to be super hard, even if I stay up all night, and I've done this before, stayed up all night helping somebody else with their assignment and then getting to mine, and then not sleeping the whole night. I, I'll i do it, no matter what it takes on my end, and I just don't want them to be, and I, this is where I need to figure out like mm -hmm. how to prioritize myself. Because yeah. I'm like, well, it'll be really bad if they fail. I'm like, well, it'll be really bad if I fail too, but I still care about them failing, even if, and it's not always people that are close to me. I think it's people who like maybe know me from a distance, and they know I can help, and they know I won't say no, and they would, ask and I wouldn't say no so I don't know but why do you feel obligated right why do you feel obligated to carry the burden 
of others in the way that you do. Something happened that made you feel like I need to overextend. I need to accommodate others. Like what? What happened that made you feel like you had to do that? Because not everybody, not everybody feels like that. Yeah, that's right. True. And it's something that it sounds like you, you've struggled with your entire life. When was the first time you consciously remember feeling like? What was the switch that went off? Mm, that's a good question. I think it was in my again. I, so I went to university when I was just after 16 so I ended up mm-hmm. going further and so I think it was maybe it's wanting to be accepted I don't know if it's mm. yeah say I more th- about that yeah yeah okay so I think maybe I felt like if I had nothing to give then okay so I was bullied as a child my mm. name my full name is Elion and I was called alien instead so mm. It, that was like in that was the earlier years and then obviously I was in special needs classes and I felt like I needed to I need to give more so people will like me and they won't believe me or they won't make fun of mm. my name or the fact that I moved a lot so I went to so many schools like in total about 11 so I went to so many different schools so it was always I was always the new girl I was always the youngest in the class and I just didn't want to be picked on so I'm like well I, let me, I, oh, that's really interesting. I would want to help someone or show that I can be of use to someone or value to someone so that they would either take me under their wing or not make fun of me or my name or the fact that my hair, I, my aunt used to come and like do my hair. You know those like Bantu knots yep. at the time with the colours? Mm-hmm. Make fun of my hair. There was always something that people could find to make fun of about me and I really didn't like it. So... I think I just always wanted to make sure I'm doing something to make somebody happy, to make them maybe like me. As a, This is before, like, even the paperwork stuff mm-hmm. that we just talked about. I think this, I mean, the assignments. Mm-hmm. This was, like, in school when I was, like, seven, eight, right. nine, and it was multiple schools. So being the new girl, it was, like, I felt like it was, yeah, I was always, the alien thing really got to me because they were, like, Ellie on the alien, 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 and it was just so like I could hear it when I went to bed, and mm. yeah, and then also I was always often the only black person in my classes, so that added to it. Yep. So I just wanted to make sure I'm doing something. I once took twenty pounds from my mum's bag, like her purse. This was when I was younger, and gave it to like a white kid. Um, not that it's about that, but I gave it to her so that she wouldn't. So that she would not bully me, basically. So that mm. she would like me, bring me in. And, I mean, the school found out. They, they gave the money back. But I think it might stem from there. Yeah. So it sounds like, one, feeling enough. Like feeling worthy, feeling enough. And then couple that with, this is like my strategy for being safe this is my you know you think about a defense mechanism but this is like a real subtle sly way for me to feel safe and out of harm's way and feel like I belong and like I'm accepted Mm. right it's for me to at whatever cost make sure that I'm valuable to somebody 
And that's me paying my way to being safe and secure, right? Your personality type, right, based on the assessment, you're an accommodating person, Mm. right? And so we know that your natural inclination is to support others, is to make sure everything is predictable and safe because the biggest anxiety producer for an uh, accommodating person is a lack of security, is a lack of stability. So when you're in a new environment or when things start to get hostile, your immediate response is, okay, what can I do to make somebody uh, not target me, to befriend me, for me to look like I'm a good person and you don't have to, right? And so that's that's your coping mechanism. That's like your strategy for success. Strategies for success are really important, but where we struggle is we will establish a strategy for success when we start socializing, right? Usually in grade school, maybe around seven, and we figure out this strategy, and it works there. Yeah. And then life progresses. And because we're familiar with this strategy, and it worked then, we try to carry it into this situation. Mm. And there's no guarantee that it's going to work. Yeah. It may work, and it may work for a while, and then you usually hit a ceiling. You hit a wall at some point. And then you have to figure out what works for this situation. And it sounds like, and we'll kind of get into that, like you're hitting a point where the accommodating nature that you have is holding you back from the things that you want to experience in life. So... So you're saying you feel like you have to give so much of yourself and it's coming from, you know, being bullied or feeling them saying you're dyslexic. When did you realize that this was a problem for you? Like, when did you realize, like, okay, something about this doesn't feel right? Um, I would say when I started to get around more people in, like, a different space. So, for example, like the morning meetup and hearing like, oh wow people, okay yeah for real like i was like um i never really realized that you can do your own thing like not that you ca- i knew because i was kind of on my own path fearing figuring things out but then i was seeing like different people successful people and they like they can't not that they do what they want but they do what they want and i was like hold on i don't i could see hearing like listening to dave speak listening to Bryn speak that I am literally just putting myself last, not even second or third or fourth, Mm -hmm. because like my business, I wasn't opening it because I was like, well, you know, like mm, I should probably do corporate because that's what everybody Mm -hmm. wants me to do. And like, even at my job at the time, everybody liked me there. And I was like, yeah, well, if I branch off, it'll kind of be like, I'm not necessarily in competition, but I'm taking away from the team and they all value me so much. So maybe I shouldn't leave. But then it was holding me back from doing the things I wanted to do, like open a firm and do law and work for myself and not have to deal with so many like people in a team like I was in, like in a corporate setting. And then I realized, wait, I'm not living the life I want to live because I just keep allowing myself to like just take my, put myself on the back burner or 
just think about what everyone else wants versus what I want. And so it wasn't until I felt like I was living in a bubble and then I got exposed to like people who are doing things they want to do and they're being intentional about making it happen. Whereas I was, I felt like I was being intentional about making sure everybody else was happy, but not focusing on myself. So, and there was, sorry, go ahead. And, and how much of that do you think comes from, you know, your cultural influence? Because I know I experienced a version of that myself yeah. and I really didn't break out of that, and pro, you know, until I was like, I want to say I was maybe like 27 before it like really mm. came to a head and I was like, yeah, I can't do yeah. this anymore. But coming from a culture where everything is communal and it, everything's about the collective, right? Yeah. How much do you think that informed your behavior and your thought process and the things that you did in your life? Mm -hmm. A lot. I think it was a big part of probably one of the driving factors because mm. just the way, like you said, like, you know, the culture is like you do it, you're, you do things kind of to make your family proud. Mm -hmm. You do like I initially actually never wanted to do law. But then they were like, oh, you you know, you talk back, you know how to... Because I, I would have a good back and forth with my parents when I was younger. And they're like, yeah, you talk a lot, you, you know, you should do law. And I'm like, mm, I wanted to do engineering. And so I was like, oh. One of the other fields. Uh, <laughs> right. Back to lawyer, engineer, that's it right there. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's what they, yeah <laughs> right. that's, it's one of those three. Yep. It's one of those three. And so at the time, because I was a minor... I, my parents had a lot of say in like my um me too yep i really get yeah, oh, so they had so, to sign know, off on where they i had went to sign off exactly mm -hmm. so then i did law my mom did law so i was like okay i'll just do law because i know at least i'll make them happy it's something stable um but then at, there were so many times that i don't like reading like naturally i won't read anything other than like cases that i have to read but then with the dyslexia thing and me feeling like I had to work so much harder. I was like, law is like one of the worst things that I could go into. But then my like, I was like, okay, well, let me just do it. And I did it, but it was a struggle. And so I think just still wanting to stay in that lane to keep like, you know, be tick all the boxes for like, what is ex expected of you made me drive that to that decision. But looking back, I've, now I'm like, I've come to terms with how things are and I'm like pivoting and shaping things in a way that I want it to be. But I think if I had my own way, I would have been doing like something else at the time. But I've broken away from, I'm not go. I'm here in law now, but I'm not going to do the whole working corporate, have a big office job. I And I know it sounds nice to them and it looks nice to them, but I've learned that I can do things the way I want to do. So I've, I don't think I got your exact like breakthrough of like, yeah, no, this is it. But I'm finding ways to like navigate it where I can at least be happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, it comes it it comes in different in ways, right? Like so like I was telling you before we started recording, like I always find it fascinating how much the environment and then the culture and then the individual all factor into what's happening with a person. So like mm. I was in an environment with I was I was uh, raised by parents one a high I and one a high C. Mm -hmm. Those are my two lowest. Oh, wow. Right? But also, so much of my being assertive and being driving and just forceful and being a high D comes from never feeling like who I was fit into 
what the expectation was, yeah. right? Because you you said like, I can identify with, well, why couldn't you get a hundred? I got a ninety eight, yeah, right? Or, you know, what are you doing with yourself? Or all of these pressures and expectations, mm-hmm. and this is what you're supposed to do, and this is how because this is tradition, and mm-hmm. this is, and this is the sacrifice that was laid before you, and like all of these things, and so I know for me, it was a challenge of well, how do I be unapologetically authentic. How do I choose myself and not feel like I'm disrespecting my culture and tradition? Mm-hmm. And I I went, I grappled with it for the longest time. And I think I just got to a place where it was like, you know, I honor and I respect all sacrifice and everything that everybody did that came before me. I honor and respect my culture. But the shoes that y'all left for me, those shoes don't fit me. Right. And I have to go. And and I just was like, yo, like it's, you know, I was always me, but it was part of me that would like hold back a tad bit because my mentality was I want to make my parents proud. And I had to ask myself, well, somebody asked me, are you making yourself proud? And the hesitation that I had in answering the question told me everything I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And it switched immediately. Right. And so a lot of me being I was always this driving, demanding kind of person. Um, but I realized how it was informed by the expectations and making someone feel like I had to please them and never fitting in with those rules or how that looked. So I just like I'm a I'm I'm gonna do whatever I feel like doing, however I feel like doing it. And if you like it, cool. If you don't, okay. So I'm like the, you know, the hard-headed, reckless one. It's like, huh. Yeah. I stress them out, you know what yeah. I mean? But it's like I'm comfortable because I'm being myself. Mm. And for me, I just, I require being free. Yeah. I need yeah. that. It's like oxygen for me. Yeah. So I'm always intrigued by, because I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying and you're like, I just wanted to check the boxes and I just wanted to make them proud and yeah. fall in line. And I can identify with that. But the way in which... You went about doing it. Yeah. Right? And so... Um, Yo, what's goody fam? Listen, I know, I know. I'm going to let you get back to the episode. But I wanted to take a minute to let you know about the Human Behavior Mastery course. Yes, we have a course that we put together for coaches, consultants, corporate leaders, and entrepreneurs. I know you're listening to the pod and it's all of this numbers and the, the adaptive and the natural, the D, the I, the attributes... We put together a comprehensive course to walk you through exactly how to understand each one of the personality types, each one of the values, and we're going to show you exactly how to get the most out of each type, what things you need to avoid, what environments to put you in, and what pieces to put around you to be successful. So if you're looking at taking your business, your life, or your relationship to the next level, make sure you go check out the Human Behavior Mastery course. Back to the episode. Okay, cool. So... You get to you get into law, and then you're studying. And I also think it's very interesting because you said you you have you're dyslexic, and so that's really ch- you're putting yourself through the meat grinder. Like this is not something that you that it's really a challenge for you. Yeah, it's like yeah. listen for everybody who is trying to understand the assessment and natural and adaptive behavior. Um, if you're watching me, cool. If you're listening to me. Your natural behavior is like, I want you to go and write your name with your dominant hand. 
right? So if you're a righty, write your name with your right hand. If you're a lefty, write it with your left hand. But your adaptive is like writing with your off hand. So I'm a righty. Mm. So me writing my name with my left hand, I could do it. Yeah. But I got to focus. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. It don't look as neat. It's yeah. weird. It's like it's off. Yeah. And that's what it's like when people ask us to be something that we're not. Yeah. When we require ourselves to do things that are not for us. When we put ourselves in those situations. So you were living so much of your life that way. Yeah. right? And now you got to this point where you're aware of what you're doing and now it's like okay so this is really the beginning of the beginning for you yeah so i'm excited and <laughs> you're asking the right questions so once you became aware when was that turning point for you where you started to pursue like okay this is i tried this over here and you can talk a little bit about when you first got into law and yeah. you know some of the family stuff and then mm -hmm. like now you starting to Peel into that, and if you have any other questions, free feel free to ask. Okay, so with the like what you were saying about the left hand right hand thing, I really related to that in terms of like the reading and dyslexia, and then also like I need things like tools. Like I read now only because I'm part of a group that a live book read where we read and I listen in at the same time. I can't like sit and read for ages, so that really opened my eyes to like the whole left hand, right hand thing. Mm. But with um, law, actually with this exam, the New York bar that I did, I sat it five times. I failed it four times. I did it the fifth time. And the pivot, I think, was the fifth time is when I decided, like, I'm going to get it and this is what I'm going to do with it. And when I have that license, I'm going to shift from what I was doing before. So before I was in family law in the UK, Mm. And it was so the New York bar was like my route out of what I was doing in the UK, which was family law, dealing with children, uh, child arrangements, sometimes divorce. And it was just so messy. It was it could it could get really messy. And I didn't like the whole conf confrontational aspect of it, especially with like one side saying one thing and like sometimes the other side will come to you and I feel bad for them and I don't want to have to say certain things but it was too much I did that for like eight years and mm. it got to a point where I almost became desensitized to everything I was like I've seen the same thing all the time and <laughs> I just don't I didn't like that so when I finally made up my mind that I want to do something in a way that would work more for me that's when I was going down the New York bar path. But I was doing that at the same time and still working in the family court. And then I was like, do you know what? When I become a New York attorney, I'm going to open a firm. I'm not going to fit into the box of working in corporate or going to court and doing family or any of the things I was doing because I felt like I had to. I decided I wanted to do something that made more sense for me, which is what I do now with like trademarks and just dealing with the dealing with the process behind have like checklists I'm working on like I know what I have to do I give the client what they have to get and I just move on with it and it's not confrontational there's no dispute that makes so much really. sense that makes so much sense so one I heard you got a why that was yours and yeah. not somebody else's yeah. right so you wanted to open up your own practice you wanted to do these things in the bar the New York city i mean uh, yeah the new york the new york state bar yeah. gave you access to that right mm -hmm. so then you had an incentive yeah one 
Two, how ex- how miserable were you doing family family law? It was. I literally dreaded it. Like before, <laughs> before like <laughs> cases. Sometimes I would be. I'd be like, I really hope like someone doesn't show up today or the case doesn't happen today. Like it was every day or every case that I had. I really felt like I didn't want to be there. Not so much because I didn't know what I was talking about. I was very good at it, which is what I think why it kept me going because I kept getting promoted. I was getting bigger cases. But the bigger the cases, the more I was like, I hate it here. So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, but I'm good at it. I've been doing it for years. Everybody likes me in this firm. But then I I didn't realize how miserable I was until I had an opportunity to step away. And I was asked to come back and I was like, I can't. I can't go back to that. Right. So you're doing family law. You're literally in in the middle. You're defending or, you know, you're in the middle of conflict. Yeah, yeah. As an accommodating person or as a high S, that is absolutely not the place where you want to be. Okay. That makes sense. You're accommodating. Uh, High S's are, would be considered like passive aggressive. They're peacemakers. They're, so I can get why you want to bring everyone together. But you absolutely are allergic to conflict. Wow. Right? And now, couple that with the fact that if you look at the if you look at the quadrants, right, D's and I's are more outgoing or more on the extroverted side of the spectrum. S's and C's are more introverted, right? Okay. So not only are you more on the shy end, more reserved, and you want to be behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So they're asking you to be in front before a judge, before all of these people defending a case, and it's not you. You, you, like I could only imagine what what you're feeling on a day to day basis. Like I'll read the briefs, I'll do all of that, I'll file yeah. emotions, but I don't want to have to go and speak in this room with yeah. this judge. And you're sensitive to people, so then it's like, oh. Even if I win, I feel like I hurt somebody. Yeah. It's a lot. Like, there's so much at stake. So, I could understand why you were trying to run from that mm. to get to something where you're still supporting people, but you're supporting people from the back. Mm. You're supporting people from the background. You're behind the scenes. You don't have to be front-facing. You, it's you and your client. They're the star of the show. You get to be supportive. And that's the ideal situation for you as someone who likes to support and be accommodating to others. And it's true to who you are. You're not coloring outside the lines or doing anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. So that makes a lot of sense as to why you were so motivated to make that transition. That's really interesting. When you were saying that, I it's like I was back there, like how much I dreaded it. And then also with what's interesting with the whole, you saying I don't like conflict or I'm a peacemaker. One of the things, one of my best strategies for like family law cases that I became known for was mediation. So instead of us going, so we would go to the court and we'd present the, you know, the case to the judge. But what I preferred to do is I would like approach the other party and I'd say, well, listen, this is where we're at. Is there any way you can meet us in the middle where we can say, you see them three times a week and we do it like find an arrangement that works for both of you. And sometimes my client wouldn't like that, but I would advise them that at the end of the day, say you're looking after the kids. The kids deserve to have at least both parents in their lives. So let's see if we can find a way. And the judges would prefer if we came to an agreement as opposed to us going into court, going back and forth, and then nobody's happy. So I was very 
my strategy was to try and find an agreement between both parties. And I often did get to do that, but sometimes they would want to go all the way and go back and forth and have multiple cases. And I dreaded that. So the fact that you've highlighted that is, is literally spot on. So I, yeah, and now I'm, I definitely feel much more in my element. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I might, does that mean I'm in line with my this? Yeah, you've put yourself in an environment that allows you to excel based on who you truly are, right? Who you naturally are is a person who you you like to be supportive of others, right? You like to do work. You you have a really good work ethic, but you're more shy, more introverted. You do not want the limelight at all, mm -mm. right? But you want to do work and you want to do meaningful work. Yeah. So you're people-oriented, but you're more introverted. And you want to make sure that you are supporting somebody else, which you're doing, but you're doing it in the way that you want to do it, which right. is from back here. Yeah. Right? Also think it's interesting, and and Reese, I might I might need to do an episode on this separately, but there's something called the region beta paradox, right? Where the region beta paradox essentially uh, speaks to the fact that Worse situations are actually better for us than better situations when it comes to getting something done, right? So if you think about your desire to do something, if you're in a better situation, you're more comfortable mm -hmm. and you're relaxed. Right. And there's really no motivation to move out of this space because you have everything that you want. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a worse situation and your circumstance is more dire, and your back is against the wall, you are more motivated to go and do the things that you need to do to get yourself from a worse situation to something better, right? right? So you getting promoted and going up the ladder was almost more fire under you to get yourself out of that situation over to what you really wanted to do. So you were, you know, you said you failed the bar those four times. You're like, listen, I'm not, all of those things fed the fire that allowed you to do what you needed to do to pass the bar. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's something that we don't really, sometimes you got to almost manipulate and hack yourself or put yourself in a situation where you got enough fire and fuel yeah. to push you through and get you over the, the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And so that, that region beta paradox is something that came up when you were kind of uh, explaining what you were going through. And that makes sense because I feel like, and this is not something I don't really like about myself, is that sometimes I can be quite complacent. I can be a bit laid back in terms of I'll just like, even if it's something I don't like, I'll just go with it until it's, I feel like I'm not necessarily motivated by like something amazing or like, a, I feel like I have to be in a tough situation or in a situation I really don't like before I'm like ignited to do everything that I want to do, I know that I deep down want to do. So is that based on what you're... Yeah, like, for as, and I think this goes back to being the accommodating person, the supporter, the, the S-type, right? You will, you, because you don't like conflict, because you want to support people, because you want to be accommodating, a person might do something that, you know, like rubs you the wrong way or like, upsets you and you may not say anything at first you'll just be like no it's fine it's okay when really it's not and because you don't want conflict you'll be like okay you'll give it a pass but really 
you're keeping receipts, <laughs> right? And so offense one happens, offense two happens, offense three happens, and they go to do number four and you explode. And it's like, you did this, this, this. And they're like, whoa, where did all of this come from? I didn't know that you were feeling this way. And it's because you didn't communicate or you didn't mm -hmm. give them the opportunity to correct it the first time they did it because you were accommodating, right? You're looking at the conflict like it's something that's going to sour the relationship, right? You're a very loyal very like connected person when you have a relationship it means a lot to you mm -hmm. like the s's are like the ride or die types right mm -hmm. they will suffer in silence almost got martyr syndrome mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily healthy for the relationship because you're not working through the challenges together you're just mm -hmm. kind of eating stuff and it tears it tears you up over time like mm -hmm. it erodes you know your enthusiasm and your spirit until you're a time bomb and you blow up and now a person is looking at you like well yeah. why didn't you say anything or you know like you could have said something to me sooner mm. and you'll find yourself resentful in situations because circumstances have got to a certain place and you don't like being over there but you didn't lay the foundational communication work so that people could take your thoughts and feelings into consideration. So a lot of the, the, the maybe the coaching and the recommendation and the suggestions is being able to focus up and speak up more for yourself and advocate for yourself early, often and continuously and finding language that you feel comfortable with. Right. Like so even we were talking before, I'm like, maybe a no is too strong, but you say, hey, I appreciate you thinking about me, but I'm actually, I have other obligations or, hey, I can't make that a priority right now, but maybe I'll come back around and see if it's still available. Or, you know, maybe I'm not in that season right now, right? Like mm -hmm. finding language oh, that you feel yeah. comfortable with, like but it's still saying no. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. And I think with, I, I think I need those tools yeah we all need the tools yeah because i i'm wondering like how do i kind of break out of that with the no thing i've been working on it for like i would say a year i've really just started but with that resentment thing there was a year i think it was 2020 mm. it was a whole year it took the whole year before i i got to that exploding point where i had helped Everyone around me had achieved so many things. And they're like, yeah, I've got this, I've got this. And I had been the one helping them because I was the one accepting and giving them help, whether it's a project, whether it was a book, whether it was like an event I was doing. And I was willingly saying yes. Nobody had a gun to my head. but I was willingly saying yes to all these people and all these things. And it got to the end of the year and I was reflecting back on what I had achieved. And for myself, I could, I can't, I couldn't name something that I had achieved for myself. But then I had all these people like thanking me for all the help I gave them for what they had achieved. And at that point, I just felt so like angry, not just, I felt angry at them. I felt angry at myself and I feel like it was resentment, but it was my own doing. Nobody forced me to. So I think, I guess maybe what I need to do going forward, one is having like, you know, ways to say no and also just not just saying no because I 
uh, basically saying no because I want to like being true to myself I think that's where I need to work on the most also understand that people want to help you you probably have so much social equity out there and people want to help you but you are afraid of asking for help you don't want to feel like a burden to people so you'll never ask but there's by you not asking for help, one, you're not going to get the support you need, right? Two, you blocking somebody else's blessing because somebody wants to sow a seed into you, right? Somebody wants to pay you back the blessing you gave them, and you're not allowing them to. So the relationship is kind of imbalanced because now people are sitting there like, okay, well, how do I support her? When can I do this for her? And it's like it's like inviting, it's like, being a friend that they invite you out every time and you keep saying no and then they stop inviting you and then you start feeling away because mm. nobody's inviting me no more, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. Or you've trained them not to ask anymore because you yeah. keep saying no every time. Yeah. So sometimes you have to go and advocate like, hey, I need this or, you know, in, in ways that feel comfortable and then some ways that don't, but that's what's going to get you to your next level. That's a, I think that is really helpful. I know I knew it, but hearing it is because I do say no to every everyone and everything. My sister literally yesterday said to me, "Why do you always say no when somebody offers you something?" I'm like, "No, no, it's fine. I don't." And I it's just no like immediately, and it's because I don't want to be a burden. But then, if someone's offering, I guess it's not burdensome to them. But let me ask you a question: What is your challenge with receiving? Um, I just don't want to, not, I don't know that I don't feel like I don't deserve it. Maybe mm. I just, maybe I don't feel like I, I don't know if I, I've never really sat and thought as to why, but I think the first thing when somebody offers me something, I don't want them to feel obligated to or obliged, whichever it is. That's yeah. not that's that's not it. When somebody tries to offer you something, there's a very specific thought that comes to mind. Yeah, maybe it's the whole like I don't know if it's like not worthy, not deserving. I just would rather not. The thought is, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. Mm -hmm. Which comes from feeling like you're not worthy or not deserving. Which comes from feeling like you're not enough. You see how all of this is attached to that which you felt as a young girl? Mm -hmm. And it's still playing itself out now. Yeah. And it's okay. And it it it, it is it's it's heavy. And mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to to acknowledge like there's still that little girl, that little boy that's there. We just got grown. Yeah. But if we don't work through those things and we don't quell those things, we're going to keep living them out. And many of us don't have healthy coping mechanisms. Many of us are using people, places, and things to fill holes in us when we're the only ones that can fill those holes. We're the only ones that can soothe those, those, those gaps and fill those gaps, right? So it's not it's not a good, it's not bad, it's not right or wrong, but you have to be aware so that you can make choices that serve you. Right? That thought, that feeling of 
what did I do to deserve this doesn't serve you at all. There are people that just want to bless you. Right? They're, you're worthy and deserving of blessings. But you're blocking them. Right? Yeah. And it's it's a form of like self-sabotage, but it's a it comes from that well, you feel like I gotta work for something. Yeah. If I didn't work for it, if I didn't earn it, I don't deserve to have it. Yeah. Your definition of work is different. Sometimes somebody might want to bless you for just being a nice person. Sometimes somebody might just, you know what? I see she's been putting in a lot of work. She might need a little help. Let me just give her a little. What's wrong with that? I think like you said, it's a case of what did I, or I need to like do something to get something. I feel like I shouldn't just, why should I just get something? So are you more committed to being where you are or are you more committed to becoming the type of woman you want to become and achieving the type of things that you can achieve so that you can be a blessing to more people? The latter. Well, then you got to act like it, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that means getting out of your own way. Yeah. And I think, where I am right now, and see, this is all coming together and all making sense, because where I am right now, I feel like, or I know, that if I just accepted help in some places, like right now in my business, I'm doing, like, I'm the one person, the website person, the everything, the, you know, and I'm like, some people have offered help, and I'm like, yeah, thanks, I got it, like, it's fine, but I'm still where I am in my business because I haven't, like, enlisted help of people like who are good at maybe sales or like sales for example I feel awkward all the time like when I'm giving people my prices or you know trying to close something and then I just end up giving it away for free or at a very discounted rate just so that I feel like they feel like it, they've got something good and all of that is holding me back it's I literally it's been hurting me financially because I'm just giving away like a 15 minute consultation or 10 I've had a three-hour one before, completely free, and I gave away all the game, and I was like, oh, okay. And I know that I could put some things in place or people in place that can help me, but then I don't, I feel like, should I be asking for help or should I be able to do it by myself? But based on what I'm hearing, it's opening my eyes to, I do need to stop blocking my blessings. There are people who are just willing to help, and I'm just like, no. And I... Yeah. So, and it comes again. It everything. I, I can see it. It's it's reverting right back to that worthiness conversation, right? You got all the qualifications. You done put all the work in. You done sowed all the seeds. It's time to receive your harvest, but you, you got to clear the way mm. for that. Yeah, I get that. You got to clear the way for that. And I think it's important for you to be honest and authentic about, one, it's okay to let people see you, right? So it's okay to trust people, because I know that's a challenge for you. It's okay to trust people, but you want to make sure that you're communicating how you really feel and behaving how you really feel, because you don't want to come across, even though I know it's not intentional, you don't want to come across as, emotionally untrustworthy 
right? Because being so accommodating, I can ask you how you feel about something and you'll tell me I'm okay and you're really not. So now I don't know how you really feel. And I'm like, oh, she says she's okay. And I go about behaving this way. And you really feel a way, but you're not saying anything. And then you're resenting the fact that I just went about the rest of my day like everything was cool. And then it becomes a problem later, right? Yeah. Can you see what I'm you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. I never I never even heard of that term before, but I can see how that plays out. So you want to make sure that you're honoring how you feel and advocating for yourself. And again, the people that are for you, the people that really love you, that care about you, that want to support you are going to stay and put the work in to make sure the relationship is where it needs to be. Other people I mean, that that's really they're really just showing their yeah. true colors, and that's cool. You let those people go, but you want to make sure that you're making decisions, you're behaving in a way, and you're putting yourself in an environment that nurtures, cultivates, and affirms who you are and what you want for yourself. Right. And it's just a matter of having the courage and the audacity to choose yourself moment after moment after moment after moment. If somebody has a question or somebody makes a request, you don't have to answer them in the moment. You can say, you know what? Let me take some time to digest that and consider that. Because you know you can get hurried up into making a decision and then you feel bad about it on the back end. Yeah. Or maybe you need to seek some counsel and talk to a friend or somebody else. Mm-hmm. right? Because when we get off of this, I'm definitely going to talk to you about <laughs> that business stuff. But yeah, you know, you want to you want to you want to do things that affirm you. Right. And you want to do things that honor you because you'll always be in a cycle of questioning yourself. If you knowingly are doing things that, you know, are not healthy for you yeah. and you can't expect other people to do it if you're not doing it. Right. That's so true. OK. Well, I think What's coming up for you? How are you feeling? I'm feeling grateful because it's. I felt like I went down a, a journey, like you took me. I went down to places that I haven't really thought about in years. It's not something I ever sit and reflect on. But then I can see how everything folds together or like works full circle. I can mm-hmm. see why I am where I am and I can see where how I'm blocking my blessings. And so I think hearing it has given me like a new hope almost that it's not that I I don't have to keep living the way I'm living. I don't have to keep being. Um, I can still be who I want to be without offending people. Or I'm basically at a place where I can see what I need to do. Like you've opened the pathway. I feel like I was an obstacle in the way, and there were other obstacles mentally. But just hearing it has given me a fresh awareness of where I need to shift things and the tools I need to have in place things I need to have in place and just choosing myself I'm feeling I'm feeling hopeful I'm feeling grateful um and at the same time at one point I was feeling a bit emotional like I was like damn but hearing it and seeing like how the future can be based on the decisions I make for myself not even for anyone else but for myself I know that can't be that hard so I'm hopeful. I'm grateful as well. So Yeah, and you got a community surrounding you. You're in the morning meetup. You got a community that's that's yeah. looking to support you. Yeah. Right? So you got to lean in. You got to trust that. Yeah. 
So with this new awareness, what are you committed to having be different because you said so? I'm committed to really just loving myself, just giving myself that priority. Mm. Because I know if I did that, I know there are in so many situations, if I just put myself first, things would be completely different. And I need to make that commitment. I feel like I've been one foot in, one foot out. Mm. And I am trying to like choose self-love. and But then at the same time, I'm not really doing it. Maybe like once a week or once in a while. But I want to, or I'm going to commit to really prioritizing what I need and what I want. Not just what I need. And that will help me. It will put me in a better position mentally to do the things that I have to do. Like in my personal life, in my business life. So I'm really committing to just making myself a priority and being unapologetic about it. I feel like sometimes I I feel like I'm a bit of a weirdo and I don't want anyone to I don't want anyone to feel a way about me like oh she's weird. But I've learned that when I'm being myself and I'm being free that's when I'm most in my element and that's when I thrive the most in my business and in my personal life so I'm going to commit to just allowing myself to be myself and put myself first. Yeah, you first of all, you got to own the fact that you're an acquired taste. Mm. Not everybody's for you. Not everybody's going to get you. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. If you like it, cool. If you don't, somebody's going to love it. Right. It, it is what it is. Mm. Now, the the declaration is cool, but, I, like, what I want you to do is I want you to create joyless. Okay. Right, so I want you to write down at least five things that you love to do for you that have nothing to do with another person. That is, you're not obligated to wait for, to get counsel from things that serve and pour into you that don't have anything to do with another person. Mm-hmm. And I want you to schedule at least one of those things, one uh, like schedule one of those things one time a week for an hour at least. Fuel yourself, pour into yourself. Right, mm-hmm. and you just said this in front of a bunch of people, so <laughs> you got a whole bunch of people that's gonna hold you accountable. <laughs> Everybody in the morning meet up, make sure L check in with her, make sure she do what she's supposed to do. Yeah, all right, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Are you straight? Yeah, I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all, we gonna get up out of here. Um, let them know where they can find you. Let them know your social handles and all that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at l elion esq. Um, or on LinkedIn at L Elion ESQ. Um, yeah, that's me. Yep. I'm the one with on everything. Um, we are going to be back with another episode. If you're trying to make sense of um, all this DIS and C stuff and all this disc talk, you should check out the Human Behavior Mastery course. We'll link it somewhere around here, but you definitely want to check out the course and just get an understanding of some of the lingo and the language that we're using here. Um, And then see us on the next episode. Yeah. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.